Hello and welcome to Intrepid Times, your home for narrative travel writing with heart. I'm Nathan Thomas, and alongside my co-host Jennifer Roberts, we take you behind the scenes of some of our most popular travel stories, get you to meet travel writers, and help you discover how you can share your own travel stories with the world. Hello and welcome back to the Intrepid Times Travel Writing Podcast. Today, alongside the wonderful Jennifer Roberts, we're talking about things the other way around to which we normally do. We often talk about how travel influences writing and is expressed through the stories stories we write and the way that we capture those travel experiences and, and aspire to immortalize them uh, as much as we can or as much as we like to kid ourselves into thinking that we do or that the writers that we admire at least do in stories. But now we're going to look at it the other way around a little bit, which is that how travel writing, the writing that we read, and maybe even our own writing, we'll see where this conversation takes us, influences travel. Being How does being a reader of travel writing, whether it's a book a year or your super passionate hobby, influences how you travel and see the world? So I suppose, Jennifer, I'll, and my habit of putting you on the spot. Can you think of a specific occasion, could be the first time or just any particular salient time that you traveled yourself in the footsteps of a book you read or a travel story you read and were kind of consciously aware of that at the time? It's a really good question. I have an example. Uh, It's not exactly a travel book. Am I still allowed to use it? We'll allow it. Uh, I went to Romania last year. And kind of in the run up to going to Romania and while I was there, I was reading Dracula, <laughs> um, which is definitely not a travel book, but it definitely includes elements of travel. I mean, you know, the main character goes to this, you know, it's a fictionalized version of a real castle. But the experience of, you know, watching him travel from, I believe he starts in England and goes to Transylvania. Um, You know, he describes a little bit of the Romanian countryside, the houses, the types of people he meets before he gets to the castle, of course. And that experience was really fascinating for me because, you know, I was kind of reading those descriptions, you know, in the days before or the days right after. I myself was, you know, on a bus looking at the houses and the countryside and the people. Um, And of course, that book was written many, many years ago. And so things have definitely changed. Um, but it was surprising how many things had actually stayed the same. And I could definitely, you know, look at the architecture and see where he got those descriptions. And then the experience of being at Brand Castle was a really fascinating experience after having read his description of the castle, which he definitely tweaked quite a bit. But, you know, being there and understanding, you know, this is where this author got his ideas from. I mean, it did. It shifted the way that I experienced the place. I mean, the castle itself is a surprisingly bright place. (laughs) Uh, You know, in the book, it's a very kind of dark and dangerous, obviously, castle. Uh, Dracula lives there. It's not supposed to be a nice sunny area, Um, but it's beautiful. And, you know, imagining that author being there, looking at the details and then translating that into his writing. I mean, that's what we do as travel writers. So then reflecting on, you know, again, it's a fictionalized version. But there is something in that of looking at how another person experienced it and wrote about it and then reflecting on how I was experiencing it. I haven't written about that, actually, um, but it would be interesting to 
see how I wrote about it, you know, kind of in response to the way that that writing influenced me and the way that I experienced the place. Yeah, that's not an example exactly of, you know, travel writing, but it gets us kind of close. Yeah, yeah, writing about place and traveling in the footsteps of, of reading about a place. Did you find that, you know, we, you haven't experienced the counterfactual, but maybe if you can imagine, do you, do you think that your enjoyment or the depth of experience you got was enhanced because you'd read Dracula or were you disappointed because of the liberties the author had taken in this fictional book? Like, do you, do you think it was a positive? I do feel like it was positive. I feel like the experience felt deeper. Like I felt connected to something that I think I wouldn't have felt connected to before. You know, this understanding that somebody had been there before me and had a specific experience. That, you know, this kind of big discourse that all travel writing is influenced by and influencing, you know, there was something in that being connected to that, you know, as a reader and as a writer and as a traveler, <laughs> there was just this kind of bigger web of ideas that I I was feeding off of that I think I wouldn't have felt as connected to if I hadn't read Dracula. And I think it's interesting because I think there are people who like to read travel books, you know, before they travel. There are some who read travel books while they're traveling, and there are some who read travel books after they've been to a place. Do you tend toward one or the other? Yeah, all of the above. I, I find that, for example, uh, my wife got me a book on Japan for Christmas, and it looks like a great book. I'm excited to read it, but I'm incapable of doing so now because I don't have any trips to Japan on the horizon. And I know that by reading it, I would get so excited to want to go there. The fact that I can't, you know, it'd be like watching a, a food documentary when you're starving and there's no food in sight. Uh, it would get me too excited to do so. So reading travel books before a trip is something I do if that trip is in place. And it's something I've kind of engineered over the years. Like if I know I had to go somewhere for work or for personal reasons, family reasons, and I wasn't looking forward to it, I'd pick up a travel book on that place. And if it's a good book and I'm in the footsteps of the author, I would become excited to to go there. So that interplay of reading about travel and traveling whilst reading and traveling in the footsteps of somewhere or walking the streets of a city and listening to an audiobook of someone who traveled there 30 years ago or 100 years ago, and sort of comparing what you see to what they wrote about, as you did with uh, Dracula, uh, Bram Stoker, is is just has always been a, a massive part of the of the travel thing for me. Yeah, I mean, I read, for example, you know, I visited on that same trip to Romania. After Romania, we went to Bulgaria, and it was after I went to Bulgaria that I read uh, Kafka Kasavova's book Border, um, which is about the Balkans and the kind of border area between uh, Greece. Bulgaria and Albania, but it's in the, that area. And so, you know, I had been there and then I read this book and I actually really enjoyed that experience too, where I had gone to Bulgaria without really kind of any preconceptions about what I was going to find there. I knew almost nothing about the country um, and kind of had my own experience learning and observing. Um, I actually did write a travel story about Bulgaria. So I had that kind of analysis in my own mind. And then I got to interact with Kafka's book, Border. And it shifted the way I thought about the country, but in a really nice way, because I was able to reflect on my own experiences and compare those to how she was describing the country. You know, she's from the Balkans. So her perspective is a very different, deeper one. 
And so then to reflect on how that was shifting the way I was thinking about my experience in Bulgaria was also really interesting. It did make me want to go back to Bulgaria. Like you said, these books have a habit of doing that. But there is also something in that, I think. Yeah. And reading about if you're traveling slower or you're staying somewhere longer and you have the opportunity to read about the place whilst you're in the place, I mean, that can be quite magical. So when I moved to Budapest um, a few years back now, I didn't know much about the city, moved there at quite short notice and started reading books, history books, some travel books, just some local literature about it. And I found that there was this mall and next that I would go to very often just for necessities. And next to it was this old sort of rundown looking cinema called the Corvin Cinema. And then I, I learned after having been there 20 times that I uh, walked by it many times, that it was one of the key battlegrounds of the 56 uprising, which is just such a pivotal moment in the history of communism in Europe. So that and then you kind of start to see it a different way as you as you learn about it so everything as you say you feel more connected to it you understand a little bit more and you kind of exist in a couple more layers then you're not just seeing something as it is now but you're imagining as it used to be so you're almost getting twice as much uh travel out of every moment i wonder what your opinion is about you know if somebody's going to a place knowing or hoping that they're going to write a travel story after if they should read about the place beforehand or if I mean because obviously reading about it is going to shift your perspective one way or another it's going to inform the way that you're seeing the place and you know coming into a travel story sometimes we want a kind of unique fresh perspective and we can't come to that you know a hundred right? There's always going to be influence, whether it's based on stereotypes or what have you. But I wonder what your thoughts are on that. If somebody's planning to write a travel story about a particular place, should they inform themselves beforehand about what other writers have done? Yeah, I've never quite understood the controversy around this because, and, and I know it's something that has, there is a debate in the travel writing community about travelers so-called, you know, falling back on text. I know it's something that Tim Hannigan, uh, regular podcast guest, uh, has written very eloquently about. And I think there's an idea there that if you read, uh, I'll try and paraphrase the the argument from the other side, and feel free to put me right if I'm missing something, I don't want to straw man it. But I, th I think the argument is that if you read about a place in advance of going there, you, and especially if you read, you know, sort of colonial literature in air quotes, you might prejudice yourself, you might fill your mind with misconceptions. And whilst you're there, you won't actually see it as it is. You will just uh, deploy confirmation bias and not experience the truth of the place. And I don't think that's giving people enough credit. I, I think it's perfectly like, as you spoke about from your experience at Dracula's castle, you could see what he got right, the author, and you could see what he got wrong, or it being a fiction where he took creative license. I think people are smart enough to distinguish between someone else's observations and their own. And looking at those contrasts that appear can provide a lot more insight. So whilst I think there is a lot to be said with showing up for showing up just, you know, as a blank slate and just letting it wash over you, in my own experience, not speaking for others, but in my own experience, I've had a better time when I've read a little bit in advance when there's more depth and context. And that's not coloring in the pages for you, but it's giving you something to contrast your experience with or to react to. And I don't think that prevents you from being able to experience it. 
in the real way. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you address this a little bit in your book, uh, Travel Your Way, um, where you talk about, you know, how to get the most out of your travel experiences. And part of what you talk about is doing, you know, even just basic research about the history of the place can be really important because then you go to the place with a little bit of context and you're not treating it as a kind of vacuum. You understand that this is connected to many other historical events. Uh, the people think about, you know, their freedoms or their rights or, you know, how they interact with other countries in a very specific way. And your argument, I believe, again, correct me if I'm wrong, is that that helps you be a better traveler because you gain a certain level of respect for the culture and the country that you're then visiting. And I think that that can come through in writing as well, right? Where you're coming into the travel story then with a, you know, base, however developed it may be, from which to interact with this culture and this story and this experience in a way that acknowledges the things that were already there and that you're building on these from somebody who's coming in from the outside. Exactly. And ultimately, travel is a way of learning. And if anything can enhance that learning, um, whether it's a story from someone or, or history or facts, that enhances travel. And yeah, I, I think it is important to be critical to read with a with a critical eye to know that you know often these great travel writers uh, especially going back generations but i'm sure many contemporary ones are as guilty of this too took took great liberties and sometimes that's kind of justified that's a whole different conversation but that opportunity to take what you have read and then to go somewhere and to go all right well, let's see what this actually looks like here that's a fascinating experience in its own right and when you're walking through through different layers of meaning and perspective and, and just context. And it means you can ask smarter questions when you're talking to people that you meet on the street or, or in a bar or look things up with a little bit more purpose. It just gives you a starting point, not an end point. Yeah, I remember being in Bulgaria and we were, you know, volunteering while we were there and staying in kind of this remote little town and this isn't an, ex an example exactly of travel writing, but it very well could have been. But, you know, our host there, you know, we were going to spend a few days in Sofia right before leaving the country. And we were talking about the places we wanted to visit and he was offering us suggestions. And, you know, there's this really big, famous church that's in Sofia that everybody wants to go visit. And our host was like, yeah, it's actually not the most important, you know, religious site that you should be seeing. Uh, that one was actually built by the Russians uh, just to make a really ornate, huge building that people would want to see. Uh, the important one is actually right behind that. Uh, so if you want to actually see a really important part of the history, go there. You know, go visit the other one because it's really pretty. But go also visit this one and understand the history behind this place because this is the one that means more to us as Bulgarians. And, you know, that those are the kind of things we can get from travel writing, I think, where... I mean, we would never would have known that, you know, this, I mean, it's a very small building kind of behind this huge ornate, I mean, it's gorgeous. It really is. But we never would have known to go there. We never would have entered. And that was actually the more interesting experience when we left the, the bigger religious site and went to the smaller one. You know, we saw a local wedding ceremony there that everybody was just kind of standing around watching. It was a really cool, you know, genuine experience that we didn't get at the other church. I mean, those are the kind of things that travel writing can offer, um, letting us know the things we might be missing 
when we don't engage with travel writing beforehand. Absolutely. Letting you know the things that you're, you're missing and also kind of being motivational, letting you know what's possible. I mean, if you read about Paul Thoreau chatting eloquently with, with locals everywhere he goes or looking up some writer or something, you might feel a bit more encouraged to get out of your comfort zone. Or, or if you read um, as Nick Hunt, uh, who's been on the podcast and been published a few times in Intrepid Times, as well as far more illustrious uh, publications, did he read Patrick Lee Fermor's book about walking from London to Istanbul, Constantinople, as Lee Fermor insisted on calling it, and 50 plus years later, uh, set out to do the same thing himself, uh, which I don't believe he would have done, certainly not in that way, had he not read that book. I mean, it's kind of a homage, but you see how other people have pushed the boundaries and gotten out of their comfort zone and really tried to do the most travel possible in a place or in, in a way. And that can inspire you to do a little bit more yourself, I think. I'm really curious, you know, a lot of the things we're saying, you know, it feels like it's a really positive thing to read travel writing before or even while you're traveling to a certain place. Can you think of any times where it hasn't been a positive experience to do that, where you may have engaged with a text and it maybe led you astray or made you think about a place in a certain way that you then discovered like wasn't really accurate and you wish you kind of wouldn't have read that book or that article? Now, is there a negative side to this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think part one of my answer to that is to reiterate that you don't have to to agree with everything that you write. I mean, part of that process of travel can be to notice what the person got wrong. And that's exciting, too. And and there's that can actually be a really interesting experience. Like if you if you've loved a travel writer, but then found out and then you followed in their footsteps to somewhere that you know really well, or they've written about your hometown or somewhere that you've lived in. And then you've noticed that they've got a lot of things wrong about that place that you know very well. And you're like, hmm, maybe they also got a lot of stuff wrong about the places that I don't know very well, but uh, have never been to it. I think there's actually a, a word for that. It, it's called the Gelman amnesia effect or, or something similar worth Googling that people actually tend to forgive authors or, or experts in the situation um, and give them perhaps a bit more license than they should. So that's an interesting one. I mean, I had the interesting experience just over a year ago of being in Patagonia, um, in Argentinian Patagonia. I believe you're going to or have just been to Chilean Patagonia. And uh, so I'd be interested in your experience. And I was listening to the audiobook of a book that I'd read many years before. So I was rereading, I guess, if that counts, um, Bruce Chatwin's in Patagonia. Um, and three things are important about that book. One, it's like absolutely marvelously, beautifully written. Two, it made pretty much everyone he wrote about absolutely furious with him. And three, its accuracy um, has been questioned. So I wasn't using that as, let's say, an objective guide to where I was. And I wasn't thinking that, all right, this is a world fact book. This is the a definitive history or, or anything. But I was kind of tapping into that feeling that Chatwin conjures so well of mysticism and curiosity and wonder and excitement as I was listening to that. And I, I remember just being on a bus, you know, going through the 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 almost sort of desolate landscapes and hearing chat the way Chatwin described it and the the little houses 
scattered around and hearing the stories that he would tell of the people who lived in those houses. And it was just such a better experience than it would have been without that. Having still acknowledged that the book has a has a lot of issues that also need you need to be aware of in order to not come away with a false impression of a place. What if somebody didn't know that, you know, the accuracy of that book has been questioned? Is that a more, you know, if somebody reads that and thinks that that is accurate, then he was basing that off of what actually happened. Is that a bit more troublesome for a reader who then wants to go to Patagonia? I think only if it stops you from going somewhere. So I remember when I would first set out on my long sort of wandering backpacking tours around Europe when I was much younger. And everywhere I'd go, I, I would stay in hostels and I would talk to people who just traveled from the places that I was going to. And often I would hear positive things and often I would hear negative things. Oh, you don't want to go to Poland. You know, it, it's it's not it's not interesting. It's boring. Don't go to that city. It's really dangerous. And the only times I regretted following advice was when it stopped me from going somewhere and seeing for myself. So I don't know if um, I mentioned Paul Thoreau before. Paul Thoreau has been known to be very grumpy about certain destinations. Um, if someone reads Thoreau ranting and raving about how dreadful somewhere is, and of course, that's not all Thoreau does by any means, but has he has been known to do so and then decides not to go there on the basis of that, then I think that would be a negative result of having read about somewhere. But if you kind of get a, like an overly excited, perhaps even slightly fantastical impression of a place and you go there and it doesn't live up to the hype, but well, at least you've learned something and at least you've seen for yourself. And maybe that will sharpen your understanding of not only the place, but also of how literature and travel writing is used and why it's important to be truthful in it. Yeah, um, by the time this is published, we will have published uh, the episode about truth and travel writing with Tim Hannigan. So I definitely encourage people to, <laughs> to go have a listen to that um, because that will be a good parallel to this episode, I think. There's a lot of moments too. I remember reading, for example, um, Shafik Meji's book, um, Crossed Off the Map, which is a book about Bolivia. And I was writing a story about Bulgaria, but I... I just read Meji's book, you know, like a month earlier, and a couple of the ideas were still kind of stuck in my head. And I ended up including, you know, a reference that he used in that book, you know, a re reference from Bolivia in a story about Bulgaria. And it, it made sense because it was kind of from a personal experience perspective. Um, it wasn't necessarily, you know, pulling, you know, a scene about Bolivia and the description of the landscape and putting it in Bulgaria. That's not what it was. It was an idea about how, you know, the some of the indigenous tribes in Bolivia see and experience time and then applying that to my experience in Bulgaria. And so it's really interesting, too, how texts from different places also can inform the way that you're experiencing other places. And I think that it's a positive thing. But I think it is also really important to acknowledge that it does shift the way that you think about not only the place, but your own experience and how, you know, that book by Meji, I mean, when he talked about that experience of time, I stopped for several days and was thinking about that constantly. You know, how I experience time is not how everybody experiences time. And then, you know, I just happened to want to write a travel story. And so it got thrown in there because it was something I was thinking a lot about. And I think that that's fine. I think that it just requires a pretty high level of self-reflection, which I think the travel writers are good at. You know, we not only reflect on places and experiences and people, but 
our own perspective of those things. So yeah, I think that what you said about just being conscious of what you're taking in and how that may be shifting the way that you're thinking about a place, all of that just requires understanding yourself and how you tend to think about things. Yeah, I think that's really interesting what you're saying, that description and observation and idea, vocabulary taken from one travel story about a totally different place becomes relevant to you in a, in a different place. And maybe it changes your experience or maybe it gives you the vocabulary in which to express your experience. And then by doing so, allows you to reflect on it in, in a better way. I think that's that's really interesting. And I think that says something about just immersing yourself, not just in travel literature, but in literature in general, because then you know how to talk about what you're feeling more. Uh, apologies if you can hear the train, very appropriate train rolling by in the background. Uh, it's a noise I actually quite like because it's not too too frequent. And I remember Paul Thoreau writing uh, that he'd never heard a train go by without wishing he was on it. So that's, a, I think, an example relevant to, to what you were saying. Oh, yeah, very well-timed train. You know, we do tend to talk about how our travels and where we go and who we interact with, how that impacts our writing. And that is incredibly important. Um, but this discussion about this bigger discourse that happens, you know, mostly kind of at an unconscious level, as Tim Hannigan mentions in that episode, making that conscious, I think, is actually a fascinating process. And I think that also recognizing that what we write, you know, with all of that background discourse happening, is also going to influence that same discourse. Does that influence what we write and how we write? Maybe it should. You know, understanding that somebody is going to read this story or this article and be influenced by it. They may be inspired to go to this place that we're writing about. Uh, they may decide not to go because of what we write. Uh, you know, whatever it may be. But what we write will influence people. And there is a lot of power in that that I think we need to recognize before tackling any travel story. I, I agree. I mean, it kind of hit me when um, quite some time ago I was just scrolling, um, I think, Instagram or what have you, and I got a message from someone I didn't know. And it said, hey, Nathan, uh, I read your article in Japan and that inspired me to go. And now I'm there. I said, what? Like... When the first time that happens, you 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 remember that, and that you really think, okay, like yeah, this stuff this stuff works, um, and and of course it does. We've just been speaking for half an hour about how it impacts the travel writing that we've consumed has has impacted us, and and becoming or aspiring to become a part of that tradition is is I think a really a really noble thing. Like keeping in mind, of course, all of the caveats that we've spoken about today, and and I think this is kind of an important distinction. More, this is more for the for the writers out there between you know using an idea or vocabulary that's been inspired by someone or you know some depth or insight that has been unlocked in you and applying that to your own experience versus just imitating someone else i mean there's kind of a imitation is a great way to learn but there's a difference between just like mirroring someone else's experience but not actually connecting with your own actual experience versus comparing your actual experience to others, but still like connecting to what you are actually seeing. Like, hang on, this person said this, that, and the other, but is that what is in front of you? Are you actually feeling that? Maybe you're in Patagonia and you're not feeling super excited as Bruce Jowen was. That's interesting. Like, why is that? What are you actually feeling? Yeah, I think I have uh, in 
Patagonia on my Kindle. I haven't yet read it, so uh, I'll be traveling there very soon. So I may pick it up right before <laughs> we head out. Very interested to to what you to what you think, especially about the dinosaur bits. Yeah, I wonder. You know, before we wrap up, I want to touch on whether you think there's a difference in the kind of impact or influence. You know, when we're talking about maybe like short form travel writing, like what we publish on Intrepid Times, you know, stories anywhere from, you know, a thousand words to sometimes 3000 and travel books, you know, book length pieces. Yeah, yeah, I think they, they do. They serve different purposes with books. I find that because they're longer, obviously, um, you form more of a bond with the author and you can almost imagine that you're having a conversation with them even if they died a hundred years ago as you're traveling and it's hard to do that with a thousand words um from someone especially if you've only read you know one or two articles from that person so i, I think this the shorter form travel ones can serve to to inspire to show people what's possible what's out there uh, to motivate people to go somewhere to kind of give permission like going back to japan i was very nervous about going into a local restaurant some back alley in Kyoto because I didn't speak a word of Japanese and attempted it anyway. And the first time it was a disaster and the second time it worked. And maybe that gives someone else a bit of a nudge to try the same thing when we're out there. So I think it works more to the specific experience or maybe more to the specific place. And that Japan restaurant thing that can work in any other country as well, where you don't speak the language, right? So I think it can work in like each story will probably accomplish less than a book would do, but it can still do surprisingly a lot. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. I remember, you know, before I traveled to Bulgaria, I had read, you know, a lot of stories. There was quite a few on Intrepid Times, actually, about hitchhiking. Um, and it was never something I really wanted to try because coming from the U.S., there's, I don't know, a lot of horror stories about people hitchhiking and never coming back. And that was very ingrained in me. But, you know, I had read so many stories, many of them, again, on Intrepid Times, where people had hitchhiked with, you know, wonderful results. Uh, they had met really cool people. They had made it to where they wanted to go. Um, and in Bulgaria, you know, after we did this, this hike in the mountains, we had no way of getting back down to the city. You know, the, the taxi we had expected to be there wasn't there. There was no bus coming because it was in the off season. And, you know, because I had read stories and it kind of formed a better relationship with the idea of hitchhiking, uh, we tried it. <laughs> you know, we, we stuck our thumbs out whenever people were coming out of the parking lot and Somebody picked us up and we didn't die. You know, we made it down to the city. They were very nice people, didn't speak hardly any English, but it was fine. You know, they smiled, we smiled, we made it down to where we needed to go. I don't know that I would have done that if I hadn't read travel stories about successful hitchhiking experiences uh, because I had been so programmed to not do that. So yeah, I think what you're saying is absolutely accurate. You know, specific experiences, things that we maybe wouldn't have done before, those can be informed a great deal by short form writing. I suppose a, a way to to end this is it's almost once you start looking out for it, it's almost amazing the the synchronicities that can arise between what you're reading and where you are, even if you're not seeking them out. So the other day I was on the the very train that you just heard actually heading towards not to but in the direction of uh, the final destination of the train was a small Polish city, maybe even just a town called Vangrowiec, which is not a place that most tourists of Poland would ever have heard of. And I was reading Timothy Garten Ash's latest book, A Personal History of Europe. Timothy's son, Alec, was actually one of the first people that we interviewed on the podcast for his book, uh, 
Wish Lantern's Young Lives in New China. And in the book, randomly, the book is not about Poland. It's about Timothy's travels and, and experience as a historian, like one of the leading English language historians of Europe over decades. But he starts talking at the beginning, near the beginning of the book, of stuff that happened around Van Grovius, which is just so incredibly random. And, and you feel like you're part of something bigger when you read stuff like that. It just makes it all a lot better for me anyway. I agree. And I think that is a great idea to end on. So thanks, Nathan. Looking forward to hearing from folks. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. Don't forget to join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of the Travel Writing Podcast. See you next time.